You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I love to have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me, getting into their life journey, not just the shiny new stuff, but yeah, how did they get to where they are today? This is with the hopes that you'll give yourself more compassion, more hope, get out of your own way, try stuff, make changes to see that most people's lives are not a straight line and we all go through doubts, fears, struggles, all of it. On today's episode, I am doing another re-release. So this was originally episode seven, what well, still is episode seven of the podcast, and it is with Jennifer Pasteloff. She is one of my favorite people. Just, you can tell, she's real. She's good-hearted. She's, you know, not putting on any sort of facade or trying to be anything. We've bonded over our disdain for shoulds and the word should. <laughs> um, well, I have more for the word should. Hers is more for the shoulds. Anyway, now that I've told her more about my disdain for the word should, maybe I've taken her on to that. Anyway, so this podcast was originally recorded in May of 2019. Her book, On Being Human, had just come out, or maybe it was coming out the next week, I think. Yeah, I don't think it was even coming out, but I released it when it did. And her book is a memoir, On Being Human, a memoir of waking up, living real, and listening hard. And it is so well written and it is so good. These are my favorite types of books because it's kind of like personal development, but it's a memoir. So you're reading her story, but the way that she writes and the things that she shares, and there are some like looking out moments talking to you, like really make you start to look at your own life and how you're seeing things and how you've moved through it and stuff. So such a good read just in general. Um, and then like, yeah, it really gets you thinking. So, all right. I love Jen. If you listened to it years ago, great to re-listen. If you have no idea who she is, great to listen. If you love her and, um, just basically it's great to listen. <laughs> we start off, this was back when we were in person, when I actually recorded with people in the same room, like talking, touching each other. And, um, she was asking me about tattoos on my arm. So that's where the conversation starts. I just went ahead and hit record. Hold space. I like it. Yeah. What do you, when you see it, what do you think? Well, for, I love hold space, but I, at first I thought it was like, I was like, maybe it's like someone's like screen name or email address, you know, because <laughs> like underscore. underscore. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I but love what do you, it. When you see hold space, what do you take in that meaning? Because I teach about holding space in Wait, my... Wait, you move because I read lips? Oh, yeah. I need to see your lips. Oh, this might be a problem. No, not if you go down a little. Yeah. Like this? Okay, yeah. cool. We're learning. And I can also just move, you know. We're learning. Well, no, I want to make it comfortable for you. So yeah, if I'm mindful of where That's I'm fine. putting the I microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I t one of the things I teach about in my Be Your Own Geologist course is holding space. And a lot of people get very confused with that concept and every time I lead it people are like I'm confused I'm confused that are you is well, it? I'm recording oh yeah well I okay why not <laughs> yeah. okay well hello so, um, so I'm thinking when you see hold space what do you know of or feel in that meaning you know it's one of those phrases that 
has started to get overused sometimes. You know, people say it like these, I don't know, kind of woo, like pseudo positive, whatever. But I say it all the time because the work I do in my workshops is exactly that. It's all these people dealing with grief or whatever Mm. it may be. And I ask people just to bear witness. And that's what I think about holding space. It's just it's literally just being there without trying to fix or give advice or anything, just being there, listening. And I mean, that's really what I mean when 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 I think of holding space. Um, I see other people sometimes use it and I don't know, I guess it means something different for everybody, but I, I love the idea of holding space for someone. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask because I feel like I'm hearing it or seeing other people recognize that term more. Like it was part of my learning of awareness years ago, but I think it's just more people are growing and learning. And that's what I, when I try to describe it, I describe it as like the biggest form of non-judgment and compassion. Literally just being there. Like, yeah, like just imagine holding your arms, your hands out and like just holding space. You're not like trying to grab it, fix it. Exactly. Turn it into anything else. You're just, just, I'm just holding, all right, I'm holding the space. I don't have to judge you for your choices, the way you're doing things, the way, whatever. I'm just, I'm here. I see you. I'm listening. And that's really like all we really want in life is like to be, feel accepted, to feel loved. Yep. Right. And it's just like, I yeah, see to you. Yeah, feel seen and heard. Just sort of like being like, hey, I see you. I'm holding space for you. You might not be on the same path as me. You're making way different choices than me, perhaps. Or I maybe it's like your mother, your brother, your sister, you're trying to fix them, whatever. Like, you got to hold space for them and their journey and how they're doing things. And that's probably where more transformation and healing and love can come from than trying to mold somebody into something else. 100% agree. So I love your tattoo. Thanks. Hi, Jen. <laughs> this is how, how my podcast goes. Just just jump right into I love whatever. It. Okay, let's talk about I what I know of you is that at one point in your life you were wanting to be an actress. Is that what made you cuz we are in Los Angeles right now. Is that what brought you to LA? Did you grow up around LA? It's all in a book that you can buy everybody. Yes. But so I'll give you some spoilers. I hmm, okay, let's make this short. My mother's in the other room. She's um, sleeping in my bed right now while we're recording. And my mother moved us to California when I was eight because my father had died. And it was really traumatic. And we lived in New Jersey. My mother, my sister, and myself, and my mom moved us out here to start our lives over. Wow, that's a big... Yeah. Bringing she was 34. And from New Jersey to California. Completely. And... By herself. Then, by herself... Did she know anybody out here? No. Or she was just like, we need a yeah. change. We're going yeah. as far. We're yeah. going to the sunshine. But it's funny because in the book, I say a month after my dad died, we took a vacation. And my mom got really upset when she read the galley. She said, Jen, it was not a month. But, you know, when you're eight and something that traumatic happens, I have no sense of time. I That whole period of my life, it all just melds together like a dream. She said it was like nine months later or, you know. Oh. Anyway, we came to California. We were on the beach and this guy hit on my mother. He was filming a Cinnamon Toast Crunch commercial. He was like in craft services or I don't, you know, I don't know. He was not an actor, but he was part of the production Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which we weren't allowed to have in my house. But I was, you know, oh, my God, they're filming a commercial. Had never seen that in New Jersey. They started dating. That, that became my second stepfather. He did. Carl. Anyway, so we moved out here, and that was my mom's boyfriend. Oh, so you first were just coming out for a vacation. First we came for a vacation, yes. And the, but that was it. 
we came for vacation. My mom met Carl. They started doing long distance. And then we moved out here. Start our lives over. Wow. They get married. We actually live in Santa Monica, where wow. I live right now. Cut to... <laughs> cut to and I started acting over at the Santa Monica Playhouse I was in all these plays I was on Punky as Brewster a as a child oh. yes um, cut to my mom and Carl get married I finished seventh grade and my mom says I'm leaving Carl and we are moving back to New Jersey oh. I went to a day that's not an exaggeration I was so depressed and because you didn't want to leave because I had started my life over and New Jersey was where pain was and trauma and winter and you know I had started acting and I made these best friends are still my best friends now and uh, yeah I I did not want to move back it's terrible and and about to start the eighth grade there's like no worse time right it's just you know middle school is hell so we moved back she left Carl he was using drugs and he wouldn't stop and so my mother left him and then we moved back to New Jersey and eventually I acclimated I'm trying to make this as short as possible. You and not, it's on don't the book. worry about making it short. Well, no, I just don't want, you know, people are going to read the book and they're going to be like, I've heard this on the podcast. But <laughs> So then Carl, my stepfather, um, killed someone in self-defense, um, but he went to prison. So I was in eighth grade when I found that out and it was horrifying. And then um, right before I graduated high school, he was out of prison. By now he died. At 39. My father had died at 38. Yes, so much. It's like a soap opera. And so when you... Did you keep, still keep in touch with yes. him? He was in jail, but yes. you guys... He would write letters to us, yes. And of course, once they were divorced, I was like, I love him. But while he was, you know, trying to be my stepfather, I wanted nothing to do with him. So then, this is just really where it gets nutty. My mother, I was at NYU, and my mother, when I was about 20 decided she was moving back to California. So my mother and my sister moved back. My sister was maybe eight, 17. They moved back here. And meanwhile, I'm at NYU and I am really depressed, never dealt with the grief of my father, suffering from the worst depression, so anorexic. I don't know how I didn't die. And I decide, I finished junior year, I was a scholar, I was in this thing called the Scholars Program. And what were you doing at NYU? Were you studying something you were passionate about? Or you just like wanted to live in New York City? What brought you to NYU? I was, I was an English major. And okay. I, I had discovered poetry. I wanted to be a poet. But um, no, I didn't want to be in New York City. It wasn't that at all. It was that I'm terrible at decision making. And I applied early decision and I got an NYU, the general studies program, which is basically like a junior college and you transfer into the big college. It's the only way I could have got in because uh. I pretty much failed the SATs and I was the worst. So I got in there and I became the scholar. It was like all of a sudden I started doing really well in school and I finished junior year and I decided that I was going to take a semester off and come to California and be with my mom because I wanted to feel safe and close to my mom and I was having a nervous breakdown and I took that semester off and I never went back. So that's how I ended up back in California by accident. It was never on purpose. I came to take a semester off and that was oh, over 20 years ago. So, <laughs> um, but then, you know, after, so I got a summer job at this restaurant that lasted 13 and a half years. Oh, long so that, summer. Like, first job in LA was the one that you had? Yes, the only job. Forever. I've never had an item. It, it's some restaurant you talk, you bring up a lot. 
What did you say? What's uh, what's the name of the restaurant? You the talk- newsroom. And so anyone listening, I read lips. So there's more. We have mics in front of our mouth. So you might hear me ask her to move them sometimes. The newsroom on Robertson Boulevard. It was in its heyday, the just the place to be. And so I was 21 when I started working there. Did you know that it was like a place to be when you applied or you just applied? Yeah, because I had gone. This is so nutty. I had gone (laughs) there. I my mother had about a block away or less had rented this big studio. She used to do curtains and draperies and she was doing curtains and draperies there. And we went in for lunch when I would when I was coming out to visit her. And she wanted me to meet this guy, Robert. And we went on the three of us out for lunch, like a weird triple date. <laughs> Robert is my husband now. Oh, yeah. Shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> oh. I, that's when I was 21. And we reconnected when I was 31. Okay. But anyway, so like wow. on the way out of that lunch, I was like, do you guys need any help? Maybe over the summer? Yeah, I'll be a hostess. And I never left. <laughs> that's amazing. And, but it was just like a few doors down. We were, And then I, my mom had an apartment around the corner. So I was living around the corner from there. So, you know, after I'd been in California a little bit, I I thought I would start trying to be an actress again, but I never, I never gave it my all. I did go to acting school, but I never, I don't think I ever really wanted it. I never really went on auditions. I never, I just, I, I waited in the restaurant for someone to discover me. And spoiler alert, that never happened. So if you feel like you didn't ever want to be an actress, but then you said you waited in the restaurant for someone to discover you, does that mean sort of like you didn't feel like you knew what you wanted to do, but you weren't exploring it? I 100%. I still don't know what I, I mean. So when you mean that you wanted someone to discover you at the restaurant to sort of be like, poof, and now you are this, Jen, whether it's an actress or a yoga yeah. teacher or an author. You're the first person that's actually ever asked me that. And that's exactly right. I, And that's actually the whole point of my book is I was waiting for someone to tell me who I was, um, to give me permission for whatever it would be mm. to make a decision for me, to save me. You know, and I always knew that I wanted to connect in some way. I knew that I wanted to do what I'm doing now. I did not know what it looked like. Yeah. Or like, what is no, that No, I made this called? up. Totally. Totally. You know? What the fuck am I doing? Well, no, you and I are very, you and I have very um, synchronistic making lives. Making shit up and making it work. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, and and I I was an okay actress. I just was always really in my head. I was, yeah. you know, over, just, it was always the note I got. You're thinking too much. But And I remember Wayne Dyer, when I first got in him, he used to say something all the time, which is, does it feel natural to you? When I think of my life now and what I do, when I think, oh, does it feel natural to me? 100%. When I used to try to imagine myself as an actress on set or whatever, it never did. And to me, that was a red flag that I ignored. And so so how long were you a waitress and trying? Almost 14 years. So I started working at the newsroom when I was 21, and I think I worked there until I was 34. But that whole time you weren't trying to be no. an actress. No. So So... I did for a couple of years. I finally got a commercial agent and every now and then, and then I knew everyone from coming in the restaurant. So sometimes people got me auditions. Um, you know, this friend of mine, and in fact, I ran into um, his wife today at Equinox, but my friend Bruce used to be a writer and producer on Six Feet Under. So they called me in for an audition. I loved that Mara, show. My friend Mara used, used, has tons of shows, but she had girlfriends at the time. So I'd go in for these like, one line audition and I never booked anything <laughs> seriously and god bless him for like wanting to help me like that but I assume you liked your waitressing job because you were there no, no and that's the point <laughs> I mean I did I did but I was super depressed and 
thing is, is I was too scared to make a move in any direction. And I let my bullshit story that I was stuck define my life. That was the story oh, yeah. that I'm you stuck. kept telling yourself? This is it. And this is all I'm worth. Like you couldn't see yourself out of like you then had been a waitress for so many years. You're just like, this is just totally. And, and another big bullshit story was that I was old which was the biggest crock of shit ever. Oh, I'm old and what am I going to do? And I don't even have a college degree. And, you know, and then year after year, it kept passing. So did that, like, were you, when you're telling yourself that story, you're just like, well, this is, I'm a waitress. This is what I'm going to do. Because I obviously, I don't have a degree. I can't do anything. Like, was it that sort of thing? Like, I'm stuck here. Like, so I guess I'm just a waitress and I can't yeah, think of anything else. The thing is, I, it's funny because I, would, I wouldn't even mind doing it now, except I think my body would be broken and my back and everything but I love I love people you know connecting with people yeah. and storytelling and making people feel good and so I was never a very good waitress but I was the best because of that you know got it but I would always like forget everything and I wasn't very professional and but um I couldn't remember shit you know but people loved you yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you loved talking to people yes. and you were just like oh right I was supposed to bring I was, you totally I was always like <laughs> sitting down and so the career of being a server is great, except for me, you know, in the core of who I am, I'm an artist and I was always writing and I was always doing poetry and I wasn't while I was waiting tables for so long. I was not doing anything to create art, I feel like I was doing anything, yeah. you know, and I hated myself. And so I resented my job. Got um, it. I, it wasn't my job's fault and it wasn't a bad job. Yeah, it that's was what I, just, was, I realized I was like just a waitress, I had said. And I was sort of like, well, no, but being a waitress. That's my whole jam with the whole just a box is that I, you know, I, I made up this word called the just a box, which is like all the years I thought I'm just a waitress. A lot of people think I'm just a mom. I'm just a girl. I'm just a, you know, secretary, whatever. I'm just a yoga teacher. Where the fact is, if I went back now, I go, oh my God, I'm the same gen. I just thought I was so. Especially working in such a Hollywoody kind of place, I felt invisible. I felt right. like it didn't matter. I felt you're comparing your your life to these people that are coming through. Oh my god, I felt so unimportant, you know. And it's it's a tricky place in a lot of ways to to be in LA. It's if if you're insecure, depressed, and you oh yeah, oh my god. And I was telling myself I wanted to be an actress for a long time, so I just felt so worthless. Yeah, I um my. First, when I moved to California, I first moved to San Diego. I moved from Chicago to work for a sound company, the lar like one of the largest sound companies in the country hired me. And But I had a lot of shows I would do in LA when I wasn't on tour. I'd be like, oh, whatever, this festival's happening or they need extra, you know, or doing a show at this theater or whatever. Um, and I liked it. But And so I had friends that went to film school and moved out here and they lived in Echo Park. And this was at least over 10 years ago. And Echo Park and Silver Lake are now like hipster hop spots. I was going to say before they were trendy. They're now hipster hop spots. But even back then, they were like the cusp of, OK, this is his place. And I remember going there and hanging out and I hated it because I was like those people. It made me uncomfortable because I was making up. Everyone here thinks they're so cool. Look at them in their cool outfits. And they're just judging me for me. And I don't even know I'm trying to wear a cool outfit and I don't think I'm cool enough and whatever. And like. I don't fit in here. And then like later when I moved to L.A., where did I move of to course. Echo Park? But that was because I had realized that wasn't those people's faults or like that was just my own shit. 
Now, that was just my own judgments of myself feeling like, oh, I'm not enough in this. I'm not cool enough. I'm not this enough to be hanging out in this cafe. So like, so LA is bad. Echo Park is bad. Those people like are, think they're so cool because they're that. But I'm like, that was just my own shit. And then I moved there and I was like, I love it. Like, <laughs> I love that area. Nothing changed. It got even more hipper and more cool. Now, I didn't get like hipper or cooler or have cool outfits. <laughs> it was just my idea of myself. I think to your point, I think that that is what we do all the time with making up stories. And and then there is something to be said for, you know, especially working in the newsroom where people were coming in and having meetings and making deals and um, and then you're you're waiting on them. There was something that. So, yes, I was making up stories, but there was a certain way that sometimes I would get treated. Oh, I'm which sure. was like. Like you're small, get out yeah, of our way. Yeah. Like just go get yeah. me another coffee. What are you doing? Sort of right. thing. Like, and then the catch is to stay grounded enough, I suppose, and to know who you are that that doesn't affect you, and to go, okay, that's about them, not about me. Yeah, but it's, it's hard. <laughs> no, it's hard. And I mean, and that's what um, when we were looking through the keychains to say which one you're going to pick later. Like you did, kept pulling up the only judging me is me, and like that for me was that reminder is what I said too is that. So sometimes it's our own stories that we're projecting out into the world, but sometimes people are treating us a certain way or wanting to put us in a box or put us down or that. But it's just a reminder like, okay, they might, this might be coming at me or these thoughts are coming at me, but the only judge of me is me. So and to be grounded in that. I love okay. that. I have that on my fridge. You gave me that magnet. Yep. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's available as a magnet. As a magnet. <laughs> as, as a journal. No. It's not a journal. You should. Yeah. You should do. <laughs> should. Fuck the shoulds. Do the one. <laughs> I want you to. <laughs> I want you to. Thank you for reframing that for me. Okay, so back to newsroom littleness feeling. Yeah, the or newsroom. Feeling I mean, I'm really grateful for it, and I'm sad it doesn't exist anymore because oh, I, it doesn't. No, I crave the food all uh, the time. So many of my dear friends were are my coworkers and people I've waited on, and you know, people like Patton Oswalt blurbed my book. He was my regular. I love that. No, I've loved seeing you. That's why I was like, I know you've shared the name of the story because you've been like reaching out or like commenting on different people that have you waited on and like how cool is that that like someone that you waited on is then you know like writing about your book it's so epic if you name it i've waited on them but not not everyone obviously was my regular but right. Patton was kevin smith Patton and kevin were just so great kevin smith is like this notorious generous i mean i hope you still are kevin but <laughs> over tipper and just kind and you know so there's a lot of regulars um and then there's people who, you know, randomly sometimes came in like Jennifer Garner and, and you know, once in a while, Demi Moore. But then there were people that came in all the time because also back in the day, Robertson Boulevard was like the place. Yeah. You know, Kardashians and uh, well, it was it was Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and right. Kim Kardashian <laughs> was was her best friend, but not quite, you know, where she is now. <laughs> But New Line Cinema was in the same building and it was upstairs. Oh, so it was just so that's why people oh, were coming yeah. in for like meetings and stuff oh, yeah. and come downstairs. Got and it. a lot of people came there to be seen. And it was because a lot of celebs came, there was always paparazzi on the sidewalk. I mean, so many. Wow. What was that since we were name, naming celebrities and talking about paparazzi? So what was your experience then with working, you know, or like having that constant realization of okay like did you were like oh i want that or people want that or like oh what a weird way to live yeah that oh what a weird way to live i i always and like seeing their reactions i'm guessing it was very different because also they're in public but then they can realize oh the paparazzi's here or maybe they're in a meeting with someone 
importance because I'm get, like it probably your regulars you're getting a sort of rinse of who they are as a human. The thing, the truth of the matter is, yes, a lot of people hate it. But listen, if you were going to go to that place and you were, a, you know, a big star that attracted paparazzi, you knew they were going to be there. It's you don't go there if you want to avoid that. So and there were people that, you know, there's people that dig that. But that to me, I don't remember how I felt about that back in the day, if I'd ever want that. I think there was something appealing about the idea of being famous. And again, it, you know, the self-worth like, oh, I'll matter. I'll matter if I'm famous. I'm, people will know who I am. But now I think about how horrible that would be. It's a lot. It is. And the constant commentary, I'd much rather like I'd make some money and, and do well, but not have to be like recognizable where people are following you around. That's why I loved when Sia did that thing, because Sia had been around for a very long time and been very successful before that one album came out where she wore the wig that covered her face. I don't remember that. Oh my God, you don't know. There was one of her recent albums. So she's been around for a very long time. Even her, her song was in one of the Six Feet Under. It was like the ending song. Right? So, um, but she wasn't very recognizable. Like her music was, she sold, wrote big songs for big artists. But when she came out with her big album herself and it was in oh, the last like five years. Or... So Breathe Me was the, was the Six Feet Under song, I believe. Mm. So this was a couple, like Chandelier maybe. I don't remember. I don't know. I can't remember the songs now, but she did a whole album like where she did go out in the world and promote it because she didn't not like being in the public eye or promoting things. So she did the TV shows and she had a wig that covered her face. She sang backwards. She oh had that dancer. There was a girl, there was Maddie Ziegler, I think is her name, is like a young dancer, was in all of her music videos and did all of her performances with oh her. Like if gosh. she was on Ellen or Jimmy Kimmel or something like that, she would be facing backwards singing okay, I love her. or a wig I mean I loved you already Shia but now I love you more or a wig covering her face and then like these other pure people would be performing like dancing the song and stuff and I was like that's epic and that the reason was so then she could go out and really be big with her music and put herself out there and do these shows and promote herself which she hadn't done previously cuz she didn't want that but she she could still be out in public and not be as recognizable. I know That's what she so looks cool. like because I've worked with her over the years on and off. Like a lot of people do know what she looks like, but m the majority of the public, she's not, That's her face funny. isn't plastered around because even though she's doing all these things, her face was covered. Wow. Amazing. She really went the full nine yards there. It's <laughs> <laughs> just too much work for me. I'm like, yeah, just recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot like, and it is a funny thing though, because we're like, you know, obviously it, like these people work hard to do a job and then they get fame and then their whole lives change, which is amazing. But it is a weird, like, we're all like, oh, you waited on who? I saw so-and-so. Like, there is. It creates a buzz when you see somebody. And so then you're realizing that's their life, that they're constantly dealing with people, like, double-checking. Is that them? Is this that? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it just gets exhausting. Anyway, back to you. So then let's talk about when did yoga come into your life? I started doing yoga for the first time I think I ever did it probably was... I want to say 1999, because I vaguely remember doing a yoga class and then it being the, the new year, turning 2000, and we all thought our oh. computers were going to die, <laughs> Y2K, yeah. yeah. And I remember um, I've never done most drugs. <laughs> I'm not a weed person. I like my wine, and I've never done cocaine, but I did ecstasy, and it was New Year's 2000. I remember I had gone to a yoga class that day. So I was like, did you do ecstasy and yoga? Where's no, this going? <laughs> no, but honestly, I hate it. I have too much anxiety. And the next day, like, I've done, that was probably the last time. You hated yoga or ecstasy? Loved oh, yoga. Okay. Yeah, the ecstasy. I was just like, 
I already grind my, oh, I just, I have this just visceral, awful, awful, no way. So anyway, um, that was New Year's 2000. So I think that was the first yoga class I did around 1999. And then I started getting more into it. And I was doing it at this little tiny gym that was in the same complex as New Line Cinema and the newsroom. And I, it was, it was helping me a lot with my depression. But finally, and, and my friends, you know, they all knew I wanted to get out of the newsroom, but couldn't make a move. When you first tried yoga, was it for helping, hoping that it would help you emotionally? No. Or was it like, oh, no, we'll try this exercise? Yeah. Well, because physical. I was an over-exerciser, you know, I had this major eating disorder. And I, although I wasn't as skinny as, as I had been before, I was still doing the same bullshit. You know, I just didn't look the same. Like, mm. so, um, I was still abusing myself and I was exercising like four hours a day. And then oh. I was having all these injuries. So I started doing yoga because of all the injuries. And I was like, okay, I got to stop doing the stairs 50 times. And I mean, it, it's when I think wow. now of the amount, I have so many body issues now. So because you basically of, either at newsroom or exercising, it sounds like. No, it's sort of, when I think right about, now. when I think about all the stuff I could have done, I can't, or I'll have a panic attack. I, I, my whole life revolved around exercise. It was so sad It's so interesting and, because it's also, people exercise not only for like to look good, but for the endorphins. Well, and that's stuff. Like, why you I do it now. Dick. Back then, it was just like, I, you were attached to how your body looked or you felt yes, like, if I it, keep doing this, I'll keep feeling, I'll feel I, better. No, it definitely wasn't the, I mean, I, there was an endorphin effect, but no, it was completely, it was a control thing. It was a, a body thing. It was a guilt thing. And I had this, this like, if I didn't do this amount of, so if someone said to me, Jen, did you exercise? If I didn't exercise for three or four hours, I would say no. And I did not think Holy I was lying. Shit. It just didn't count. It didn't count to me. Wow. It was so weird. So my friend said, you should become a yoga teacher because they knew I wanted to get, you know, I was always like, I want to, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know what to do. And I thought that sounded horrible. <laughs> so why did you think it sounded horrible? It just didn't appeal to me. And that was before you even did yoga or you I were... was doing yoga, but I never wanted to be a teacher. No, I was like, oh God, no, no, hard no. So <laughs> then I had my second nervous breakdown. And I went to a therapist and I went on antidepressants and my life changed. So about literally, no lie, two weeks in, I was taking something called Cymbalta, which I don't take anymore now. I take Prozac actually, but I was two weeks in, I was like, maybe I will be, do a yoga teacher training. And it wasn't because I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I just was, it was like an actionable step to, oh, maybe, maybe I can get out of the newsroom. Maybe I can stop waiting tables. It was like a, it was a, this thing I talk about in my book called Now What? Instead of just, just, you know, saying like, this is what I want to do. It's actually like, okay, well now what? So I signed up for the yoga teacher training and lo and behold, I finished and I still did not want to be a yoga teacher, but my mother, God bless her. Were you, and did you enjoy the training in like, in what it was like, where you feel like you were learning for yourself or you're just like, okay, well I'm doing this thing to maybe get me to somewhere else. Gosh, you're asking me so many like good <laughs> slash hard questions. That, <laughs> I'm like, that, sorry, but not sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's Did you say I'm sorry? <laughs> I said, sorry, but I'm not no, sorry. No, no. I, I studied with the best, Annie Carpenter. She's just um, wonderful. And I feel like I, I want to do another one. You know, I'm like, oh, it feels like time. So um, I hope I'm going to send this to Annie and hope she has this way. <laughs> but no, the yoga teacher training, in some ways I enjoyed it, and in other, in other ways I didn't. One, it was the first time I got really honest about my hearing loss. And Annie helped me a lot with that. But I, you know, when we were studying meditation, 
she'd have us close our eyes and I would have these anxiety attacks because I read lips, but I had never said these things out loud. So like you knew you read lips, but in your mind you were like, not got it. I was in denial and it also, it's gotten a lot worse. So now, you know, I, that was 10 years ago. Now it's so much, now I can't hear without my hearing aids. So you, even though you read lips, you kind of like didn't even realize you no, did it. completely. And because I've been waiting tables, you know, and I would always squat down to get lip, um, lip level. But it's busy there and loud. Completely. And you're thinking I'm connecting more with the customer. Yeah. And it was like, oh, there's bad acoustics. And I was always an excuse. And I was so ashamed. So the yoga teacher training, it was also eight hours. It's really intense. It can be really emotional. Body stuff was coming up. Grief stuff. I was like, oh, my God, I really can't hear. This is, you know, I never said that out loud. And I did. And then Annie really started to take care of me. She would always be like, okay, Jen, can you hear? You sit here. You keep your eyes open instead of closing them. And I felt really taken care of and safe. But I got done the teacher training and I, no, I didn't, I didn't want to, I liked doing yoga when it was just like, I would go and do it and take a class. But now I, I it took the joy out of it a little bit for me doing this intense training. So after you did the training, when you went to class, you didn't have joy as much anymore. It's almost like I wasn't ignorant anymore. Like I knew I was like, oh, I'm not doing this right. And I knew, you know. Or you learned more about like the ways of the teaching that it's like you're more judgmental of the class. And <laughs> I know I'm like, I did a yoga teacher. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> it's harder to enjoy a class. You're like, stop. Just just be in the moment. Just be in the moment. But why is she doing this? Nope. She, she didn't correct it. That person's gender. I go, wait, don't be in the moment. <laughs> Completely. And I felt like I got, you know, judgmental myself too. Like I should be doing this better. And so I've taken the training. Mm -hmm. So I need to, I need to look like this in this pose. 10 years in, I don't think like that at all. You know, I'm like, whatever. I'm, I'm in child's pose the whole class, but same. So so I um, I need to be able to do the advanced pose. Cool. I'm cool with child's pose. That's me all the time. Um, I went back to waiting tables. I had taken a month off to do the training. I went back to waiting tables and I felt weirdly depressed because I thought, okay, well, I did that and I don't want to be a yoga teacher. And But my mom taught herself how to build a website and she built me a website and someone found me on it and I did a private, I did a yoga private and I got paid like $100 or something. And I was good at it. I was like, wait, maybe. And then I taught a public class. Someone asked me to sub. And I was good at it. And I thought, huh. And I realized I could connect with people and I could find a way to be creative. And I thought, maybe I, maybe this I will do this. And I kind of like this. And then I started hustling at the restaurant and made these little business cards and dropped them down with each check that said, like, I'm a private yoga teacher. And I got all these clients and That's I started working awesome. at different places, studios. I was teaching all over town. And I was able to quit the restaurant after a year. And I was teaching so much. Now I teach two hours a week. That's it. When you started and you were starting to teach that much, were you enjoying it? I was. It? I was yeah. in the beginning. I was. And I was good at it. And I was, I was, I don't know. I felt, I felt worth something for the first time in a really long time. But I was like, huh, isn't this funny? I made up a story about how much I didn't want to be a yoga teacher. And now here I am and I'm doing well. And this is great. And, but now where I am now, I'm back to the, I still teach two hours a week. and. I enjoy it, but I have no desire to do more than that. And what I do with the hybrid that I have yoga, you know, be part of my workshop, but I'm back to where I was when I started, which is not like, it's just not my thing. I mean, I'm, I enjoy it and two hours is great and that's enough. Yeah. Well, I think it's all life growing and flowing and figuring it out and maybe 
years from now, you're all of a sudden be like, oh, this or not, or then it turns to none. So where did you, cause yeah, so then you start, you're doing it for like a year, you quit the newsroom. And then I know you have led retreats for a while. I started right away. I What the fuck? I know. Because that's a big thing. I'm saying what the fuck, like in shock of like, cause to me, I'm like to fact, the fact of being like, I'm going to hold a retreat. You have, that's like big money normally. I like shit my pants. I was, what have I done? But because basically these two life coaches, these great life coaches, Miranda and Jana Saunders hired me, asked my friend who was a yoga teacher and had been for quite a while, if she could, they are life coaches, if she could come at Mexico and lead the yoga part of their retreat. Oh. And she couldn't. And she recommended me. And they didn't know I was a brand new yoga teacher like That's yesterday. That's amazing. So I went and met with them and I was like, oh my God. I felt like I was just, you know, imposter syndrome. But they hired me to be the yoga teacher on this retreat. And I went and I did a great job. It was just like one hour a day. And, yeah, it's like the But I was watching what they were doing. And I thought, huh, I think I wonder, I think I could do something like this on my own. And so I, but I wanted to do it locally. So I, I had gone on one yoga retreat in my life and it was in Ojai, California. And so I called the people that I had met there that owned the house and I borrowed money from a friend and I reserved it. And I thought, what the fuck am I doing? And I started hustling in every yoga class I was teaching and on Facebook and every customer. And I told them about this yoga food and wine weekend I was doing um, in February, 2010. And that was the first one I ever did. And I made it up as I went along and it was nothing like it is now. It was really a yoga retreat, just yoga. And was that though, like you said, it was yoga, food and wine. It was yoga, food and wine, but, but it wasn't like- Were the people that owned the house doing like the food and wine part or were you like totally like, okay, and this is well, it was putting a, that The together. house was also a winery, so they had wine and then there, I hired a chef. Okay. Yeah, so it was like just beautiful. And there was yoga and there was hiking and massage, but there was no, it's, it's not like it is now where there was writing and they're sharing out loud and there was yeah. way more yoga back then. It was a weekend? It was a weekend. Yeah. And I, it's, I had 27 people. That's amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is crazy. I manifested this and I had gotten that word from Wayne Dyer because I used to listen to him on repeat and I realized that I did do this. Wow. I did this. So when you say manifested this, what do you mean when you say that? Well, so I had scheduled a meditation at the retreat, which was hilarious because I didn't know how to meditate. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I turned around like, and I was facing the Ojai Valley and I thought, what the fuck? So I said, let's meditate on what we're m manifesting. It just came out of my like butthole basically. And I, it was from listening to Wayne all the time. But as I said it, I thought, well, that's what I did. And so how I used to define manifesting is making shit happen. And so, I mean, to me, that, that's really what it is. It's like, I, okay, I asked now what? And I took one step and I I rented this place and I borrowed them. I mean, it took all these steps and I, I made this yeah. happen. This didn't magically happen for me. I yeah. made this happen. <laughs> Trisha here to tell you about this brand that I am so excited to be using. It is called Soul CBD. And I know if you are like me, you've probably been interested in CBD, but also there's so many brands out there. There's so many products that it felt overwhelming to me of what do I try? Does this stuff even work? Is it going to make me feel stoned? What's the deal? <laughs> 
So I'm loving this brand, Soul CBD. It is completely THC free. So even if you got drug tested at work or something like that, not detected and it won't make you feel stoned. It's organically farmed, gluten-free. They even do third-party testing for toxin to make sure that it is of the highest quality. Um, my favorite products, they have gummies, CBD gummies. I also like the like liquid drops. They have bath bombs. I'm giving you 8 million products as my favorite products. No, but the last one is this product saved my life last week. And it's external cream. It's the rapid relief cream. I really hurt my back somehow and I don't know why or how. I honestly just woke up with it killing me. And I was doing all of the things and it was I was miserable. And I put this cream on and I got relief within a few minutes. I'm not joking you. You can use CB, CBD for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, I, Like I said, I've also been taking it liquid and the gummies. And um, it really, when you use it regularly, it's been helping me sleep well. It, I feel less pain and tension in my body. I have fibromyalgia, if you don't know. And I also feel that it lessens any sort of anxious feelings in my body or like, you know, where I can feel like quick-tempered. So pretty amazing. I think, yeah, we've been hearing lots of praises of CBD, but it's like, what do I try? Who do I trust? Go check out Soul CBD and you can use the code CLAIMIT for 15% off. So go to mysoulcbd.com and use code CLAIMIT for 15% off and feel free to DM me at underscore Trisha Huffman for any questions. All right, let's get back to the episode. I just wanted to ask you because I realize I get like a little bit triggered with that word because for me, yeah, someone like uh, another friend of mine, I interviewed her on the podcast and I was like, why do you call me? She's always called me Sister Manifester. And I always like wanted her to ask that. And and I was like, because in my mind, when I hear manifesting, it sounds like magic. Totally. It's out in the world. And I'm like, but it is. But, you know, it's taking action and making things happen. But what I realized the actual manifestation part is, is the like really believing that it's possible that makes you keep going. Because if you're doubting at yourself, like doubts come up, but like, oh yes, this is possible. And then you keep taking action. But I always like want to explore the idea of manifestation because I think that people can just- I don't use it so much anymore. It's interesting when I first started doing the workshop. So then I started, I was like, I want to be bi-coastal, which is like, I don't know. I think because of how I grew up, the moving back and forth. So I went to Philly one time to go home and I went and did a yoga class there at the studio called Diana Yoga. And I said, I want to do a workshop here. I, again, no idea. What would I do? It's not like I was never very good at yoga. So it wasn't like I was like going to do an arm balance workshop. Or So I literally said, let's make it called What Are You Manifesting in Your Life? And I, it all just like built on what I've been studying with Wayne and morphed into what it is now, but it, eventually it was called the Manifestation Workshop, colon, on being human. And then over time, I just dropped the manifestation part. Oh, so it, manifestation was part of your, like, signature? Yes, it was always called the manifest. And some people still, Kripalu, um, I'd always do a retreat there, and they still have it on the website. And I'm like, I don't call it that anymore. They call it the Manifestation Workshop. And Interesting, because so I see manifestation and on being human, like, huh? My work, do you know my website's called The Manifestation? Because when I started doing all this, everything was about manifesting. And, it, and then I branded it. I mean, I, I was going to change it, but now it's like oh, people yeah, wait, know it. But what is it called? The Manifestation. The Manifestation. But there's like a colon, you know? It's right, like, right. It's like, 
And so it's a literary website. And, um, but I don't, I'm not very woo. That's the thing. It's like, so I always said manifesting is making shit happen. And, uh, that's the same way where I'm like, I am woo, but I'm not. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I always say I'm woo-ish. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I just, I wanted to explore that topic because I think manifestation is beautiful and that I think it's cool that it's becoming such more well-known, but I'm just like, I want to make sure people realize like, well, you still got to do the work. Well, that's what now it's what not is. Just like, what? That's absolutely what now what is. I mean, <laughs> you know, writing something down or wishing for it or meditating on it or It's with the intention that it gets you to take the steps into making it happen, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think I think also it's like, it's just great to daydream. And I think it's it's amazing to imagine what it would feel like. And right. Because a lot of us don't. We don't give no. ourselves permission to, or we don't feel worthy to receive. Or we don't make the space to just sit, sit down. Like you were making a space for people to be like, what do you want? So what do you want to manifest? Like for them to just even have a space to be like, huh? Right. And so what? I'm allowed to think about these things exactly. and ask for them and think bigger than what my life is or what I've been told it. And one be? of the things I always say is, you know, and I would have them write it on these sticky notes, what they wanted. And I would say, and if you don't know, that's OK. Welcome to being a human being. Ask oh. for clarity. It's a great thing to ask for, which I mean, it really is. I ask for it all the time. And also, the reason I use sticky notes is because, pun intended, you get to change your mind. So, like, sticky notes are movable. They're yeah. malleable. You can take them down and go, oh, you know what? I actually don't want this. I've changed my mind. And that was a huge epiphany yeah. for me to, you know, I always thought I was a bad person. And which I talk about in the book, but, or I'm always going to be here at this waitressing job and you know, I was pretending to be an actress. I didn't think I got to change my mind. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I think especially as women, a lot of times we feel that way. Oh, sure. And I mean, like, I think, uh, you know, you did think like that, but we're now, like we said, we're both in these, what are we? Okay, I'm going to lead workshops. I'm going to do this. I'm starting a podcast. Like we're, we're now both used to navigating these shifts and changes. But I had always worked in, you know, like I, my first career was being a live sound engineer on tour and you did see I would toured with some people that were in their 60s and 70s I mean I I toured with Crosby, Zills and Nash and they toured with the same people their entire life so but I, as a female that was rare first of all to be a female sound engineer but I wasn't like I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life because like I knew that I would be a mom one day so I wasn't gonna tour the rest of my life so I actually started my dream career something knowing that I wouldn't be doing the rest of my life because that wouldn't have made sense but most people are in a job where they think, this is what I am. Totally. And I'm not even just talking about your job. And first of all, anyone, like, right. we never know shit. Like, so thinking anything for the rest of your life is kind of like Yeah. Hilarious. I was using that as one example right. of people but, feel like they're locked into whatever completely. they choose. But I also, not just about your job, but also about the beliefs about ourselves. Yes. So like, I hate you came from... Right before my father died, I said, I hate you to him. And then he dropped dead. And oh. that was the last thing I said to him. And so that marred me in a way and got branded in my psyche, if you will, that I was just a rotten, terrible. That you were a hateful person. Hateful, that was the last thing bad, you said. And look what I did. And so I had this belief all the time. I'm a bad person on repeat. And, you know, I about 10 years ago, I thought, wait a minute, I get to change my mind. I changed my mind about having kids. And I want to be clear that it's not, I'm not saying that it's just, cannot. yeah, when people say something like, I've manifested this baby, it's, I want to be like, you know what, because bullshit, uh, the fertility is a real thing, problems with fertility, I, no, I was really lucky in that I got pregnant really easy, 
You know, I'm not saying like, I just changed my mind. I decided I want a baby and I manifested it. But I changed my mind about the wanting to be a mom. Yeah. And here I am. My son turned three yesterday. Yeah. I, and I think like for those people that might be in it, but no, I did manifest a baby. But then it, it could be that what happened is that you were maybe living in such stories of yourself that were affecting how you thought about what you wanted to be in life, but also what you were doing with your life as well. Yeah. That, right. Like our thoughts can be so damaging that they're keeping us in certain places and how we're taking care of ourselves. I just get triggered because, you know, my sister has a son with a really rare, terrible genetic disorder called Prader-Willi syndrome. And my other one of my best friend's son died of Tay-Sachs. So I'm very mm. sensitive to people with that, you know, talking about how they manifest certain things, especially with health or children or no. in the, I get it gets very tricky. I That's think. what I'm saying. I'm like, maybe that the reality is that they're saying they manifested. But it's like, oh, they finally started taking good care of themselves. Right. No. Yeah. And that they were then healthy enough to carry one or something like that. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. And however, if somebody wants to say something about what they've created is fine. But yeah, no, I like I said, I get can get triggered by yeah. certain words as well too and that some people don't that's have as much either. right and that's why it's funny that i the whole manifesting thing is is because i'm really especially now i'm so much less woo than i was when i started you're because, less well, than you started interesting I because i listened i was I'm like so that's really interesting i feel like it would end up because mine feels like it goes like no i'm way less woo i want to get a little more woo again <laughs> i'm like what happened to me i've gotten a lot more cynical and like you know but <sighs> Honestly, what happened was life and watching mm. these people who've lost their children and my nephew that I've gotten a little more, less, yeah. a little less magical thinking. Um, when it's I first hard. started doing all this, I was I would listen to Wayne Dyer hours a day. When I say hours a day, that's not a lie. And he's super woo. May you rest in peace, Wayne. I love you. But he's super woo and he would admit it. And um, I'm just not that way anymore but i'm there's a tad left so that i really yesterday i put on instagram i don't know if you saw the post with the sound bowl on my belly i was in labor uh -huh, i did and i said i had the epidural and then i had my friend come and give me a sound healing with tibetan singing bowls on my belly but i also had the epidural so i'm jewish and woo-ish you yeah. know like but that's what it's like who the fuck cares how much of anything you are and like yeah then that can like you said that can change is, and that it's like, I don't have to, like, we keep saying woo-ish and I'm not woo in that, but it's like, I also don't feel like, well, I am what I am. And I might say some things that seem woo-ish, whatever, but I'm just me. And that's, it's like your work now, I want to get into why you are calling it on being human and that transform. But it's like, that's what I'm like really trying to be is like, hey, I'm human. <laughs> and that I don't try to be super woo-ish and I don't try to be like, no, I'm not woo-ish, but I'm just like, hey. It's awesome if you do yoga. It's awesome if you meditate. It's awesome if you do these, want to like study with these manifestation practices and do these things. It's awesome if you want to be as healthy as you can by whatever, drinking the celery juice. Okay, here's an example. This is what I mean. <sighs> Take a breath, Jen. Huh? Sometimes, you know, I have profound hearing loss and there's been people who are like, what is it you don't want to hear? Uh, and I just want to okay. punch you in the face. Don't say that I to me. I just a big eye roll. No, no. Like, I'm, I'm, I have tinnitus. I can't stop I, rolling my eyes. Okay. So this is what I mean. That That's like, I'm not woo like that. Yeah. Um, Which I get. People can say, oh, I've lost my voice. Oh, well, there might must might be something you're not saying. Which maybe. Which there could yeah. be. Or like, maybe you sang really yeah. loud. <laughs> like right, concert exactly. the night before. <laughs> yeah. 
Or sometimes like <laughs> someone gets a cold or whatever and they're like, that's your father. That's your father. And she's like, well, I will actually have a toddler. And my son, you know, yeah. sneezed on my face and I swallowed his snot and therefore I have a cold. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I do think there are some instances where it's like people do cause harm to themselves due to emotional. But I yeah, totally agree not- with you and I couldn't agree with you more. If somebody said that to me about my hearing loss. It's just, yeah, there's just. (laughs) Or it's like people who, who nowadays it's, it's, it's much more kosher to talk about antidepressants. I was one of the very first people to start doing this, especially because I was a yoga teacher. This was taboo. Yeah. You know, when I started doing this and, but you know, oh, you know, just do yoga, just meditate. And that was bullshit. Like you're not. For some of my work. If you're not yogi enough, you're not enough of some you're not spiritual enough if you're doing this thing to take the best care of yourself right which right. happens to be taking antidepressant and it might work it might work for some people especially someone who's having like some circumstantial depression or or going through something but if you have a chemical depression or bipolar or schizophrenia or whatever it is you're not going to tell the person just to meditate it away so that's my TED talk. Thank you for yeah. coming. Yeah. Well, anyway, and that's why I was saying, like, you can do use all of these tools to improve yourself and the wellness and that. But like, really, at the bottom of it, we're all human and are dealing with like the same sort of things. And that a lot of times if you're trying so hard to be so healthy and I'm I meditate all, you know, I perfectly do an hour of meditation every day and I perfectly do this and I perfectly that doesn't mean that you're not going to no. have face hard stuff or your no, doubts and- or fears or comparisons or judgments or any of that stuff. That's great if that's the stuff you do. And I'm not judging you that you do do a lot of stuff. That's amazing. But just, I also want to be the people like, you can be... I'm totally judging you. An awesome person. It's cool because <laughs> only judging me is me. So woo! <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but just like, I just want people to also know, like, you don't have to do all of those things. No way. To be happy, healthy, mindful, enjoy your life, live your dreams, whatever. So what does I'm being human <laughs> mean to you? And how did the... So it is now the name of your book, but it didn't. It also has been the name of your retreats and my workshops. Yeah, well, the sub- workshops. Yeah, the manifestation workshop on being human. It was a subtitle because what interested me the most was listening to people share their stories and talk about their fears and what excited them and find their voice and hold space for each other, as we talked about earlier. That was always the most intriguing and interesting and life changing aspect of it to me. Rather than like people talking about their goals and or 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 like what they wanted to manifest, and so on being human is the the thread that connects us all, you know the the humanity, the shared the shared world. So it is sort of like come to my retreat on being like I've created a space for us all to be fully like human and to open up fully as we are. Like yeah. And we dork it out. That's a big thing we do. Dark it out. Dork it out. Dork it out. Because, you know. Oh, you said dork it out? Dork it out. They said dark it out. Yeah, I was like, what would that be? That's so. Some... I, was, I was like, oh, cool. Does that mean like you talk about all the things that are like <laughs> negative in your but life? It could be like a, holding um, you back. What do you call it? Like a technology, uh, like where you don't have your phone or anything. That's okay. actually, I like. We've got lots maybe... of ideas for implementing. <laughs> dark, it, dark it out and dork it out. So. Yeah, it's a space to be human and to connect. And I'm wearing this bracelet that says I got you. And it's a tattoo I'm going to get actually um, to fe- to be gotten. And who knows what happens? Each experience is different. So sometimes there's a little more yoga. Sometimes there's less. I bring a yoga teacher now. And, oh, uh-huh, wow. and she teaches yoga and meditation. 
there's wine drinking, although there's lots of sober people that come and there's tons of laughter and there's tons of tears and dance parties and swimming. And there's, it's just this whole experience that after a week, it often feels like life because there's been a just spit, but there's so much that occurs that you're like, wow, it just feels like I lived a whole life in a week. And you develop these really deep relationships. And there's a lot of levity, a lot of humor, or else I wouldn't do what I do. Yeah. Absolutely, that's like at the top of the list. Don't be an asshole. You've, you've already <laughs> signed the contract by showing up. But <laughs> there's a lot of humor because a lot of you know times when we do self-work or whatever you want to call it, or looking inward or, or talking about our so fears, serious. Or, it gets heavy and it's like snooze fest. So, and it's hard. It's hard. Life is hard enough already. So to add this humor and levity to it. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah. Was me like is mine when I didn't like really realize it until recently. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess the joyologist is the perfect title for me with the fact that I'm always laughing, even if I'm talking about like something like harder that and that a lot of my work is. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why certain people resonate with what I'm saying more, because I'm not being so serious about it. I'm like, oh my God, this bullshit thought that you know been driving me sorry that i'm like calling myself out no tolerance for people who take themselves too seriously (laughs) and when i start to take myself too seriously is when i'm overtired or or something's out of alignment and that's my first clue is that i know oh something's off because i'm taking myself way too seriously what does that look like to you that you're taking yourself Um, too seriously it looks like i get offended really easily uh i don't have any you know one of the things i say in yoga i've been saying forever is if you fall you must laugh in my class so like if you're in a tree pose you fall where i don't have the that kind of compassion to myself whereas if i fall whether it's literally or metaphorically or in whatever way i i I can't laugh at myself it's very like you suck um but mainly it's that i i get offended really easy you know so my if someone makes a joke or makes fun of me i'm really good at making fun of myself and when people make fun of me i love it but i notice like oh i'll get or or any kind of criticism or um you know someone that doesn't like me i'll take it way too personally that when you feel like you're out of alignment yeah and then i know it's usually because you're tired or what tired or something's out of alignment or i'm or i'm not taking care of myself in some way what do you do to like when you realize that like oh well, as I sit here sipping coffee, one of the things is I know like if I drink too much coffee or I'm drinking too much wine or everything's like yeah. the too muchness is something I struggle with. Yeah. Um, but I exercise does help me a lot, you know, and also doing less, you mm-hmm. know, like saying no more yeah. to things and people and events as much as I can. So I'm like, don't feel so... Um, frazzled yeah like have more of your own space yeah and i'm pretty good at saying no and i don't overbook myself i really don't um i think sometimes people chuckle at that but we only know what we see on instagram so of course like on social media it looks that way but i spend a a lot of time just decompressing yeah and watching shows I remember, did you do karaoke yoga? I did, or I do. And you I, still do it? Yes. In it, fact, I have an event coming up. You can register. It's for Shape Magazine. I'm part of their Women Run the World. And June 15th in Los Angeles, there's something, and I'm doing my rock star yoga, which is a hybrid of karaoke where we basically just sing as we do the poses in actual karaoke yoga. So it's yoga. that you're 
in the yoga class, you are inviting people, asking them to, while we're doing yoga, to sing along yes, to the song. Yes, but no solo. So it's like no one's self-conscious. <laughs> well, no solo. Because I don't want people to be self-conscious. Right. So it's, like, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Letting go. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And so in karaoke yoga... Don't take yourself too seriously. Exactly. (laughs) Dork it out. In karaoke yoga, there's actually a DJ, DJ Gina, and the scream at the words. But in this one, we just, you know, I play songs like Don't Stop Believing and Let It Be. And and then I say, if you don't know the words, make them up. And people just get really free. Where did that idea come from? And how long ago or how when did you start that in your teaching Um, path? Well, we were on Good Morning America. I was on Good Morning America with it in like December... 2011 but Whoa, been a while. that long ago it's been a while so it started because i always you know i used to play music in my class and i would encourage people to sing along i just again things which just, is so not what no. yoga teachers do no <laughs> and i would want them just so people because it felt so serious and like yeah ugh, pulling teeth so then one day I was at equinox in the south bay and i saw a sign for karaoke with spinning and I was like, hold the phone. What? Oh, my God. So I asked the manager at the time, Amy, can we do that with yoga? And she said, yes, of course. And I had no idea what it would look like or how we would do it. In the meantime, I was in talks with Good Morning America and they were looking for an angle to get me on the show. How were you in talks with Good Morning America? Because I used to do yoga privates back oh. when I did them for uh, at the time president of ABC News. So and they wife. just loved you and were like, we mm-hmm. need to get you on Good Morning America somehow mm-hmm. yeah. as a yoga teacher. That we didn't somehow. know. So I went to okay. New York and, and it was just like a general meeting. That's and so cool. Yeah. So so they found out I was doing karaoke yoga and I had never done it yet. And they decided to fly out. We had never done it. And yeah, they put it on you TV. You said you were on Good Morning America for it. I thought you had like become like famous for karaoke yoga. My joke. Then- I said like my 15 minutes of fame. So. <laughs> So, yeah, we were on it the first time we'd ever done it. And it was on Before Good Morning. Before you had even taught it. Yes, it was the very first time. And I had no <laughs> idea how it was going to work. But really, it started because we would sing in my class. So when I saw they were doing it with c- cycling, I... Um it's just good fun. It's just good, silly, ridiculous but fun. But even the fact that before you titled it Karaoke Yoga, that, yeah, just being like bringing that to the yoga. Like, I think that so often people can be rigid and, okay, this is what yoga teachers do. I'm a yoga teacher, so I do this and that, you know, like they try to, people will try to make it their own and different yoga teachers are definitely so different, but that just seems like such a... I was, and, and I always say it's as ridiculous as it sounds, but it's, it's so fun. amazing. But like it's the fun. fact that you had that to be I like, know. yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, let's just sing. Why are we taking ourselves yeah, so, so when seriously? I think, when I think about manifesting, sometimes I, I have a good laugh because I think, look, at, I did. I did that. Like, I made that up. And, and then I ended up in Good Morning America. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, that's what even like when I was calling my, why do you call me Sister Manifestor? And she was like, coming. I was like, she was like, do you not want me to call you that? And I was like, no, no, no. That's great. Call me that because you're right. You do see me that I say. She was like, well, you always have these visions of you're going to do something and then you do it. And I was like, it's great. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. But I was like, so I was like, thank you for calling me. But she was all like, are you offended by that title? And I was like, no. Well, thank you for seeing me. Like, that's well, I what I said. I just think the word sometimes sounds too woo. That's what I said. I was like, well, like, are you not giving me credit for my own actions? Like, that's what it kind of felt oh, like. Like, yeah, I said I was going to do something. And then I made it happen. It didn't land in my lap. Like, I took oh, steps to make it happen. I would never have taken... I don't hear it that way that's, at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's my own weird trigger. Like, to me, when, when someone's like, you're, you know, you're such a manifester, I'm like, yeah, I'm powerful. You know what I mean? It's not about right. things just, like, happening. 
But so that's why I asked different people about it, because I was just like, I wonder if anybody else thinks of it as the way I do, or is that sort of then they are waiting around for like, well, how come it, my thing isn't coming? Exactly. Because I'm thinking I'm manifesting it. I'm writing it down in my journal and I made my vision board. I never use it's funny, though. I do never use that word anymore. Never. I never say like I've manifest unless I'm joking. But it's just so branded, like I can't change my website now, but I just don't, that word never comes out of my mouth. But we evolve, we change. No, it's not a bad word. That's why I'm like, I'm not trying to say don't use that word. I just want to bring more awareness to like, what does that look like when people hear it? So when I started doing my workshop and I was basically, you know, like a parrot of Wayne Dyer, I used to, and I really believed this. I used to always say it was something he said, and I would repeat it. I'd walk around repeating it, and I'd say, I can manifest anything I put my attention on. And I haven't said that in years because I don't believe that. I absolutely oh. no. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that you can manifest anything you put your attention on. I mean, because then that comes into play, like about manifesting sick uh, people who've had sick kids, and I, I just don't. So I just don't. I don't say that anymore. But yeah. I did back then. Yeah. And guess what? I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty thought. I can manifest it's, anything it's I put my attention on. It's it's just too magical for me. Yeah. What I see is, yeah, if you want something, then you have to actually put your attention on it and then take steps to make it happen. Right. And that's the whole now what? Okay, now what? So yeah. that was a step that was missing for me for years. I said, like, I'm writing a book. And it, it really wasn't until I sat my butt down in a chair and typed a sentence. Well, really, tell I wrote a book proposal, but it was like this this actionable step, not just this like, I'm writing a book or I'm an actress. Someone's going to discover me. It's like, now what? What are you going to do about it? And the book, you always knew, did you always know that you wanted to write a memoir? Yeah. I mean, well, I had, well, no, I started as a poet when I was at NYU um, and poetry still has my, is my first love. I don't even write it anymore, but I, I always and I also wanted to write short stories back when I was in college. But now in the last, I don't know, decade or so, everything I've written is creative nonfiction, is essays. So, um, yeah, I always knew it would be a memoir. And because, right, you with the manifestation.com. If you just go to manifestation, it'll come up to be some like woo woo website. So it's it's like the manifest station. The manifest You can station. get there. By, and you can also, I have all these, you know, if you go to don'tbeanasshole.net, I believe it leads there. I was going to ask you with like, you seem to collect domains and be so actionable of like, I have an idea. I'm going to get that domain name. Like, where did that come from? Is that from like, well, back in your mom got you a website? Yeah, but I mean, because people take, you know, it's, it's, I mean, don'tbeanasshole.com is already gone, but don'tbeanasshole.net I own. Beauty hunting. Because when you have an idea, and especially if you start using the word, someone else is going to buy it. So you just now, like, when you have... Not all the time, but if I remember, especially if it's something I say a lot, like beauty no hunting. bullshit motherhood? I don't even remember. Let's look. I think but that's it, your, I do. you have an Instagram account. I do believe I own nobullshitmotherhood.com. Yeah. Somebody check it for me right now, please. <laughs> um, I believe I own it. JenniferPassLoff.com. That's, that's a different... That's my website, website. Um, but the manifestation started because I started blogging. But so then that's what then you were blogging. So then that led to probably the desire. That's also where the craving for wanting to write a book because you had been blogging for a while. Yeah, I always wanted. I mean, yeah. And, and even as a child, I always knew oh. I was going to be a writer. Um, but the so I started I came back to writing and I started writing again and I started getting a lot of followers and I decided to share the wealth. So I asked if, if you know, 
people wanted a guest post on my site because I had all these eyeballs on it and people did. And then, so now I don't really even write on the site anymore. It's just, it's just, it's personal essays, but all other writers and my friend Angela Giles edits it and does actually all of the work for the site because I've been so crazed with everything else. Um, Speaking of the book, so then you, you sat down, you wrote the book proposal. I wrote the book proposal and we sold the book on proposal to Penguin Random House to Dutton at Penguin Random House. And then I was like, oh, shit, I have to write a book now because I sold it. And did the book turn out as the proposal was? Not so much. Because I've heard a lot of people write a proposal and then the book turns out to be something a little bit different or somewhat way different. Similar. Similar, but not definitely. I wouldn't give that to you and go, this is what my book has turned out to be. Uh, Similar, obviously, like, but yeah, really different and... I, but the other day, my friend said, you did the thing you said you were going to do. And I don't often, I mean, I don't often finish things. And so I am really proud of myself. Yes. Really proud of myself. Yeah, I did it. You're right. I did. It's coming out. It's out when you're listening to this. It's, yes. When you're, it came out on June 4th. Yes. Um, It's available everywhere. Books are sold and on audiobook. And some pretty awesome people have written things about it, including Pink. Hi, Pink. How the heck did that happen? Pink. Okay, so and Cheryl Strayed and Glennon Doyle. So I'll tell you. So okay, my my best friend, one of my very best friends in the world, um, I call him my brother. He's in Snow Patrol, and so a friend of mine, um, I met through this really my favorite Instagram is called Special Books by Special Kids, and he does all, he works with all these people with special needs and oh wow beautiful. And I found a girl on there. I became friends with. She has Treacher Collins. You know what that is? Remember the movie Wonder. Her name's Lydia. She has Treacher Collins and it we became friends and she sent me a message one night on Instagram, maybe a direct message saying, Oh my god, do you know Snow Patrol follows you? I said, Yeah. She goes, and do you know Pink follows you? And I said, No, Pink doesn't follow me. And I looked and she did. So oh I my followed god. her. Back. That's amazing. That that and it's amazing that she pointed it out to you. So weird. And I of course thought she was wrong. I was like, You're so what? No. And I look and I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. And so I started following her back and and paying attention to what she was doing. And I was like, she is so cool. And we became friends and on Instagram. And then I went to her concert last month. And I So did you end up reaching out to her via Instagram to yes! send her the book? Yes! That's so epic. Why not? Yeah, no, Girl, totally. Ask. And the thing is, like, so I get so many yeses, but I also get a fuck ton of no's. I do. And it always feels bad when you get a no for like five minutes or longer, but it's not, but I ask, I do. Yeah. You never know. I do. And people always are amazed. Like, oh, how did you, you know what? I asked for every single one of those. Yeah. I asked. That's, you just, you never know. You might you get a no. You might never hear back. Exactly. You might and, get and none like of it the means... biggest holy shit yes you totally. could ever imagine. So yeah, Instagram. And then last month went to her concert and my friend, her daughter has Down syndrome. And she's like Pink's biggest fan. So I got three tickets and I brought Isabel, me 19th birthday. Isabel is down and my friend Margot, her mother. And we went and then we hung out with Pink backstage. And she's just the loveliest, most amazing, talented, incredible role model. And I feel so humbled that she blurbed the book. Yeah, it's so awesome. And then also with that, I remember seeing that you were like, I'm not hiring a publicist, you know, like, will you people, will, 
will my community help me? And, and I the do. Books. I have almost 500 people on my street team. Oh, you created like a street team. And so what did, was your book publisher or somebody telling you or other people being like, you have to have a publicist or you just learned no, that? Like, not where did... at all. And you get one in-house. Like, so I, you know, you have w- one that comes with the whole, you know, yeah. your, your editor, your marketing person, and I have the m- most amazing team. But a lot of people hire outside yeah, publishers. Which and it can I, be like 20 grand. Yeah, I know because I do have friends that have different deals and it's like, so that's- I didn't have high- the money. They're hiring a publicist to yeah try to get it into different people's hands on TV, on radio, whatever, so that it gets talked about, so that it gets sold more. And I just, I didn't, you know, I didn't have the money. You're sitting here in my apartment. You can see I'm not like, <laughs> you know, super wealthy. And I, I did not have the money. So that wasn't an option. And so I created the street team, although now there's like a week and a half left before. The, well, when you're listening, the book will be out, but recording before. And so I'm going to put the street team into high action. Not sure exactly what that'll look like, but they've done a lot. They've posted and pre-ordered and they're just there for it. And then every Friday, it's like a community post where I, I ask people to post what they need help with or they want shared or they want read. So it's just really, oh, very they've cool. all become friends. It's really cool. On Facebook. You, on Facebook, yeah. you created. That's very, very cool. I don't know how else I would have done it. You know, Facebook, it's like free and create the secret No, the page. same. I sometimes try to create like, where else can I create a private group? But it's really the most easiest to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and have people connect and being like, try some new program yeah. and this, that. Yeah. I just wanted to bring that up, too, because it's just like another... It's sometimes we can make up these rules that we have to follow or things are like, yeah, ask, go ask people. Why not send a message to someone and ask people to show up and support you? And it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. Have you had feelings of like feeling uncomfortable with making these asks like before you reach out to these people? Totally. So like, yeah, what are the feelings that come up? And then how do you get through and hit the send um, button? (laughs) You know, like a pain in the ass, like a nudge. Like Um, you're going to show up as a pain in the ass. Well, yeah. I mean, asking. And then then not only if you ask, but then you have to actually get it from them. So they might say yes, but then you have to be like, "Mm, can you find me like- Remember when you said you were mm going to do that thing? Yes. And then, you know, it's hard not to feel dumb when someone gives you a no or to feel embarrassed. For me. Yeah. (laughs) Shut down. (laughs) For me. I get, you're like, I get really like- yeah. For I mostly, when I get a no and I'm asking for something like that, what I see is that usually it's more because I've worked with a lot of people that, and it's just like they have so many requests coming at them at all times that it usually means nothing at all about you. It's just that they don't have the capacity because they also, in order for them to, like, if they want to put their words on your book, what you were asking, then they probably want to read the book and Mm -hmm. be able to write something that then, you know, like, oh, my words are going to be out there talking about something. So then that means they have to commit to Totally. Reading the book. So it's like that. Yeah. So it's like, I never see it as. For you, you're way more enlightened than me because <laughs> I mean, I, I might get there like a day later, but right when the first no comes, I'm not able to be that like, yeah. well, it's not about me anyway. I'm like, oh my I God, just, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> but I really, I just, but I like I was saying, I work with those people day to day where I know that's like, they're getting so many fucking requests daily for so many well, it's, things. It's, it's a habit and it's practice and you, you had that job. So you had all this training. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's for me because I know because I've lived the life with them where I see how many requests they get on the daily. So it's like. To get a no is like no big deal. Um, okay, I'm going to get to one of the questions that I ask everybody. One of the questions I ask everybody is, what is a go-to that you do to raise your joy levels? So like maybe you just got a no from somebody or you know whatever, you're feeling that uncomfortable energy out of alignment. What is something that you do? It doesn't have to be anything spiritual or... <laughs> 
I was gonna say something like <laughs> dirty, you know, joking, but no, I mean, not dirty, but um, something sexual, which isn't even true. Just I was just trying to be like, you know, um, shock value. Uh, let's see, to raise my joy level dance with my son or make videos make silly videos with my best friend annie we make these oh, yeah. goofy videos you know she's a she's an actress she's in the main company of the growlings and she's so funny she brings out the funny in me right. we're actually starting a podcast and she's just hysterical and um or with my son um i'm a binger with tv shows so like when there's a show that i'm really into and i can't stop i will it actually brings me joy physical joy to just watch it you know and then like, when it's over, I just started watching Fleabag, you know, and I'm like, oh, I want to keep going. I haven't. Oh, is that on Netflix? No, it's on Amazon. And she's okay. just. But I just saw it the other day and I almost watched it. I didn't. Okay. Um, exercise because it makes me feel better. But that's the same with like dance party or yeah. but being silly, being a dork. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. Love it. Okay. I, even though you had already have keychains of mine, I believe you have Fuck the Shoulds Do the Ones and I am magic. I today asked you to pick which one, maybe not even phrase that you liked the most, but which reminder you needed the most right now. And you picked. Um, I think I put out my keychainery, but I am here now. And it, yeah, it wasn't the one that's right. I, I, I was drawn to fuck the shoulds, do the want, although I'm trying to have less fucks in front of my son. And then um, the other one was uh, the only judge of me is me. And then I am magic. But the reason I picked I am here now is especially in this period with the book is and all the travel, I fly to Europe on Wednesdays, staying grounded is hard. And I've noticed I've had a lot of anxiety because it's like I'm already projecting what it's, so it's like just I'm here now, I'm in my body, I'm here now. I need that message as a mind tattoo. So having it as a keychain is brilliant. Yeah. If I can look down and see it. Yeah. When you said you're projecting into like, so are you like saying like, sort of you're projecting you're like how is the book gonna received? What are people gonna say? What? Or like, or, or what how is... am I gonna do it? How am I, oh my God, it's gonna be so exa- how am I gonna, uh... how am I gonna, you're putting yourself in the future of I'm gonna have do this or the interview yeah. and this and this and this. Like it's like whatever press release week. That's like so. Yeah. Instead of just, instead being, of just here, being here now, and yeah, enjoying this moment. I'm already in like July. <laughs> in July right now. I'm not even here on my sofa. So just staying in my body and not. I have no idea. You know, and just just be here now. Okay. Uh, something that I've been asking everybody too is I had a thought recently, and I'm seeing how it applies to everyone's life. It was what is easiest for me is not always what is best for me. And this shows up so many ways now that I caught that thought. So thing where you could apply it to your own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. Oh, my God. Well, it's so many. Yeah, things. I mean, my job, my restaurant job was that. It was easiest for you to stay. It was easiest for me to stay. And I was miserable and I was depressed and I hated myself. But it was easy. It was easy to stay being miserable. Even though I was miserable, it was just easiest to stay. Because we know um, miserable. It's like, it's like the... Drinking wine every night. <laughs> it's easiest for you to drink wine every night. Well, yeah. It's it's like a... It's, it's a habit. It's, you know, staying in my apartment. I have this great rent-controlled cheap one bedroom but um it's we're outgrowing it's it easiest to stay here but it's easy it's easy i mean it yeah yeah because it's it's quote unquote you know comfortable and it is it is it's like uh my life is is i've uh, it's like a well-oiled machine it's just hard because there's three of us in one bedroom but for me it's it's change is so scary for me and so the easier thing is to avoid it. Yeah. And it's never what's best for me. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. It's never what's why does it? Why does change feel scary to you? Why? Yeah. Because of losing my dad so young that the thing I've always tried to do the most is keep everything the same. And it's just, it's like a real issue with me that I have to work on every single day. I used to never cut my hair because it was so traumatic for me. I just, I've stayed, I've been in this apartment over 15 years. I stayed at my job 14 years. I don't let go of things. I, I really like... When people say to me, oh, you look different, I get I have a panic attack. Wow. Yeah. It's this whole, this change thing for me is like real big theme. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the great. opposite where I love change. So that's why I was like, what does that yeah. look like? I don't, I've always like thrived with change. Nope. nope. It makes me panic. If, 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 if I could have everything stay the same, I would just be but so... when everything stays the same, do you feel, like, safe? N- yes, but it's never... But back to your question, when you said, what is easiest for me is now... No, so it's a brilliant question because it's... So that's... There's a quote that I just made up once. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say it's a quote. It's something you I can, say. No, quote yourself. A quote that I say. Let me quote myself. Um, the will to outgrow must out need the need to stay safe. Or the need to feel safe. So the will to outgrow. The will to grow. The will to grow must outweigh the need to stay safe. (laughs) The will to grow must outweigh the need to feel safe. So when I was finally ready to grow, then I was able to let go of the newsroom and quit the job. And, you know, when it's just scary. And so like the safety often for me keeps me complacent, even if I'm miserable. Yeah. The will to grow must outweigh the need to feel safe. Is there anything there that go. you do to remind yourself of that? Yeah, I ask myself now what every day, you know, so I don't just say something without doing it, you know. So, I mean, um, and it doesn't have to be a huge, a huge thing. It can be like, for example, like asking for these blurbs, you know. Yeah. Um, something that's. Like get yourself out of your comfort zone a little yeah. bit in some yeah. way each day. This whole book thing is is terrifying. I mean, today I realized it's coming out in on June fourth. Whatever, it's like a week and a half, two weeks. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's and two weeks. I almost threw up in my mouth, you know. But I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm terrified, but I'm, I mean, I have no choice. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's coming out. Whether you got you no choice. <laughs> Wait, hold the press. <laughs> what are you terrified of? I don't even know everything. Um, change change how more people are going to know you in the world i don't know just 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 yeah change or like this is a different gen i am now a published author a new change of yourself yep um also what if it falls flat what if no one buys it what if people already bought it okay yeah (laughs) all right there lots of people bought it already but really um, awesome people yeah said awesome things about um, it what if nothing changes? Like everyone's like, mm. there's so much hype. Your life's gonna change. Da, da, da. It's like, what if not? You know, so it's you name it. I'm afraid of it. Um, being vulnerable, and it's my story. It's not like you know a poem. It's not yeah. fiction. It's it's my story. So someone shitting on me or writing something bad, I'm gonna stumble upon it. I'm gonna stay away from reviews. But maybe someone tags me on Twitter. I don't know. How I'm going to manage. I mean, I don't know. Just just like a free-floating anxiety, panic, fear. But also, in the same breath, so excited that I want to pee my pants. Yeah. Both. Yeah. That's what, whenever I feel like the fear, I just like, tr- I don't transform. Because again, it's not like, oh, switch. 
I'm feeling fear. I'm going to turn it into excitement. But I myself will go into like, okay, what am I afraid of? Which, you know, can the same things of you named, even if it's a totally different circumstance, but it's usually like, what will people think? Blah, blah, blah. Is this that? And then being like, okay, great. But then also I'm so excited about it. So what if I just lean more into that energy? Oh, I'm completely, I'm, I'm so I'm like excited. Scare-sighted. Scare-sighted. I'm really, really <laughs> excited. But I want to be truthful in that. I'm also... Yeah, that's know. that's the point. I mean, especially I talk so openly about so much in the book. It's and I know I do already online, but this is going to be in the hands of many more people and family members and right. You know, um, yeah. No, I get it. Especially family and people that I grew up with, and yeah, yeah. It's like you're exposed. Here I am, but it's kind of amazing that it's. Like, then you get to go do your work, which is all in this on yeah. being human, no, which amazing. is the book, and, I, and then going, yeah, retreats, and you're leading a retreat the week before it comes out? Yeah, like a cuckoo. So I leave I on- feel like that might be the, you it might be crazy, but also might be the best to be yeah. like, because you have this energy right now to then take it and be like, here's my own <laughs> humanness right now. You know, I, when I realized that was happening, I was, I was- Oh my God, but I realized that it's actually going to be the most grounding, beautiful thing. So I, I do the retreat. It ends June 1st I've, in France. I fly to London. I have a workshop June 2nd. I fly home June 3rd. The book comes out June 4th. And then I hit the ground running. I think it'll be really grounding. You Choose know, to see well, it Well, the retreat way. will be. Yeah. I mean, I... Right, and then you yeah. jump and jump and jump in. Yeah. So I am, I am, I'm, I'm excited. I'm... In awe, I really am just trying to stay in my body because it's so exciting and I'm so nervous that it, I feel sometimes I'm, I'm floating above myself rather than being here. Mm. So how do you get then back into your body? Getting quiet, putting the phone down, um, looking in someone's eyes like we are and like having a yeah. real conversation, writing, actually yoga. <laughs> 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 yoga. For real. I know. I'm sort of the same way too. Whereas I wasn't, I got certified as a yoga teacher and it was part of when I was touring with artists. We did, I led them through yoga every day, but I was never like in a studio yoga teacher. Yeah. And there was a part of me too, like, I don't want to be a yoga teacher, but I know I need, I love this thing and it's helped me so much. So I'm going to get certified. And then I did bring it to that role. But yeah, it's like, I find myself the least doing yoga now in my life than I ever have. But at the same time, it's like the thing that I like when I'm off and sometimes like gotta go lay in yoga or like oh it's time to start waking up early before my kids and do some yoga again which means like anything like it's not like I do a vinyasa a flow and like it's just like being on the mat mm-hmm. tuning into some music letting go actually being in my body Completely. listening to it yeah okay the last question the podcast is officially titled <laughs> I did so many interviews where I would say the working title is it's officially titled Claim It. Uh, And I ask what, which means basically I think that it's up to us to claim our joy, to claim our worth, Mm -hmm. to claim our dreams, to claim our value, enoughness that people can be giving it to us. But a lot of times we might not even we won't feel it unless we ourselves are claiming it for ourselves and see it for ourselves. So what are you claiming for yourself right now? Success. Wow. And a spot on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. I just got chills. Uh, yeah, I had a really, there was a, there was a pause. You might have thought the podcast ended. I was really thinking about that. You know, I was really. It's, people usually do take a pause. They're not like, it's kind of a big question. And I also was like, well, there's, there's a few things, you know. Yeah. Was, um, 
I want to also say worthiness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not because I wrote a book. That's bullshit. It's just finally. Yeah. You don't have to have no. a book. You don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to have, be a yoga teacher. You don't have to have anything to claim your own worth, your own no, worthiness. But after so many years of having that mantra, I am bad on repeat, it's to finally go, you know what? That's a bullshit story. You're and worthy of success. You're worthy of and love. You're worthy of the beautiful life you create and manifested. <laughs> but you did. But I did. No, I did. <laughs> also, you know, with the help of a lot of other people. I don't think we do anything yeah, alone. Totally. You know, I didn't get here in a vacuum. I have this whole I just have so much support and I am hashtag blessed <laughs> in that department. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you're claiming that for yourself. And I hope even in just our conversation, like getting to acknowledge and see like, oh, no, I made that happen. Oh, yeah, I went, did that. I did that. Then hopefully, yeah, taking more of that with you. Yeah, through no, this I, week I love that idea claiming, of claiming it. I love it. it and all for yourself. I, I think about that a lot with the whole idea of asking, you know, so it's like ask and also be open to receive. Like, yeah. so, so claim it. Yeah. I love it. I was looking at that on your on your Instagram and listening to some of the the interviews and the clips you had. And I I love that. Love it. Yeah. And that's with my, you know, my affirmation deck and my app are called Own Your Awesome. So it's sort of the same thing. And the Own Your Awesome is really just like, it's not like just own your accomplishments. It's own who you are fully. Own all of yourself. Own the past version of you. Totally. Own who you are. Totally. All of you is awesome, no matter if it was like a mess up or a misstep or whatever. Owning you are, claim it for yourself, claim your life. I love it. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> Thanks for having this long conversation. Thank with you. Me. And pleasure. Everybody on Being Human is officially now out, and I, you're going to love it. I mean, how can you not love it when Pink loves it? Glennon Doyle loves it. What about? Cheryl Strayed, so many more people. Samantha Irby. Yeah, it's it's exciting. She's so giving thank me you. an thank advanced you. copy, so I'm going to go home and devour it. And I already know that I'm going to love it, but I'm so excited. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I hope you loved listening to that for the first time or again. Um, for show notes, go to yourdualogist.com backslash podcast you'll find all the episodes there for jen jenpasteloff.com she's at jenpasteloff on instagram um, she she also leads yoga classes on yoga girl officials like membership platform um yeah she you know she's back to leading workshops in person somewhat we'll see because of the state of the world but yeah she's amazing go follow her for all things me yourdualogist.com please i love seeing you share the episode and i love just hearing from you what did you get from them did you listen who did you like so send me a dm either at at claim it podcast or at underscore trisha huffman i love hearing from you again if you haven't not yet please hit subscribe. It helps. It helps podcasts get found and uh, leave a review if you haven't yet. And if you do, I will send you a gift from my product line. If you tell me that you left a review, just screenshot it and you can either DM it to me or send it to podcast at yourdryologist.com. All right. I hope that you are right now stopping and 
owning who you are. Just say that to yourself. I own who I am. I own who I am. And if a part of you doesn't resonate with that and can't, then say, I am working on owning who I am. Because sometimes if the affirmation is too big for you, it won't work. Just make it a little bit more digestible for you.